0: Welcome to another story time with Shining Nathan. Me, your gay auntie, Shining Nathan. And we're going to continue on our spooky trail of spooky stories for you to enjoy, whether you're going to be cuddled up or doing things about the house at work or on the road. As always, I'm very glad you're here, whether you found me organically via whatever platform you're on, or if you followed me here from TikTok, I'm glad you're here. Before we begin, I gotta thank my patrons on Patreon who make all this possible. That is my primary form of income, so if you consider it, you're more than welcome to. Now today's tale is gonna be another spooky one called The Damned Thing Short Horror Story by Ambrose Bierce. I'm excited to get this one, so pause here if you need to get all cuddled up for a spooky tale. If not, let's continue with me. Shannon Nathan, your gay auntie. (laughs) The Damned thing, Short Horror Story A Horror Story by Ambrose Beers One does not always eat what is on the table. By the light of a tallow candle which had been placed on one end of a rough table, a man was reading something written in a book. It was an old account book, greatly worn, and the writing was not apparently very legible, for the man sometimes held the page close to the flame of the candle to get a stronger light on it. The shadow of the book would then throw in obscurity a half of the room, darkened a number of faces and figures. For besides the reader, eight other men were present. Seven of them sat against the rough log walls, silent, motionless, and the room being small, not very far from the table. By extending an arm, any one of them could have touched the eighth man who lay on the table, face upward, partly covered by a sheet, his arms at his side. He? was dead. The man with the book was not reading aloud, and no one spoke. All seemed to be waiting for something to occur. The old dead man only was without expectation. From the blank darkness outside came in, through the aperture that served for a window, all the ever-unfamiliar noises of night in the wilderness, the long nameless note of a distant coyote the stilly pulsing thrill of tireless insects and trees strange cries of the night birds so different from those of the birds of day the drone of great blundering beetles and all the mysterious chorus of small sounds that seem always to have been but half heard when they have suddenly ceased, as if conscious of an indiscretion. But nothing of all this was noted in that company. Its numbers were not overmuch addicted to idle interest in matters of no practical importance. That was obvious in every line of their rugged faces, obvious even in the dim light of the single candle. They were evidently men of vicinity, farmers and woodsmen. The person reading was a trifle different. One would have said of him that he was of the world, worldly, albeit there was that in his attire, which attested a certain fellowship with the organisms of the environment. His coat would hardly have passed muster in San Francisco. His footgear was not of urban origin, and the hat that lay by him on the floor, he was the only one uncovered, was such that if one had considered it an article of mere personal adornment, he would have missed its meaning. In countenance, the man was rather prepossessing with just a hint of strength earnestness that that he may have assumed or cultivated as appropriate to one in authority for he was a coroner it was by virtue of his office that he was in possession of the book in which he was reading it had been found among the dead man's effects in his cabin where the inquest was now taking place when the coroner had finished reading he put the book into his breast pocket at that moment the door was pushed open and a young man entered he clearly was not of mountain birth or breeding he was clad as those who dwell in cities his clothing was dusty however as from the travel he had in fact been riding hard to attend the inquest. The coroner nodded. No one else greeted. We have waited for you, said the coroner. It is necessary to have done with this business tonight. The young man smiled. I am sorry to have kept you, he said. I went away, not to evade your summons, but to post to my newspaper an account of what I suppose I am called back to relate. The coroner smiled. The account you posted to your newspaper, he said, differs probably from that which you will give here under oath. That? "'replied the other, rather hotly with a visible flush, "'is as you please. "'I used manifold paper and have a copy of what I sent. "'It was not written as news, for it is incredible, "'but as fiction. "'It may go as a part of my testimony under oath.' "'But you say it is incredible.' "'That is nothing to you, sir,' if I also swear that is true. The coroner was silent for a time, his eyes upon the floor. The men about the sides of the cabin talked in whispers, but seldom withdrew their gaze from the face of the corpse. Presently the coroner lifted his eyes and said, We will resume the inquest. The men removed the hats. The witness was sworn what is your name the coroner asked william harker age 27. you knew the deceased hugh morgan yes you were with him when he died near him how did that happen Your presence, I mean. I was visiting him at his place to shoot and fish. A part of my purpose, however, was to study him and his odd, solitary way of life. He seemed a good model for a character in fiction. I sometimes write stories. I sometimes read them. (laughs) Thank you. Stories in general, not yours. Some of the jurors laughed, against a somber background humor shows high lights. Soldiers, in intervals of battle, laugh easily, and a jest in the death chamber conquers by surprise. Relate the circumstances of this man's death, said the coroner. You may use any notes or memoranda that you please. The witness understood pulling a manuscript from his breast pocket and held it near the candle and turned the leaves until he found the passage he wanted and began to read. What may happen in a field of wild oats? The sun had hardly risen when we left the house. We were looking for quail, each with a shotgun. We had only one dog morgan said that our best ground was beyond a certain ridge that he pointed out and we crossed it by trail through the chaparral on the other side was comparatively level ground thickly covered with wild oats as we emerged for the chaparral morgan was but a few far yards in advance suddenly we heard at a little distance to our right and partially in front a noise as of some animal threshing about in the bushes, which we could see were violently agitated. We've started a deer, I said. I wish we'd brought a rifle. Morgan, who had stopped, was intently watching the agitated chaparral, said nothing but had cocked both barrels of his gun and was holding it in readiness to aim. I thought him a trifle excited, which surprised me, for he had a reputation for exceptional coolness, even in moments of sudden and imminent peril. Oh, come on, I said. You are not going to fill up a deal with quail shot, are you? Still, he did not reply, but catching the sight of his face as he turned it slightly toward me, I was struck by the intensity of his look. Then I understood that he had serious business in hand, and my first conjecture was that he had jumped a grizzly. I advanced to Morgan's side, cocked my piece as I moved. The bushes were now quiet, and the sounds had ceased, but Morgan was as attentive to the place as before. "'What is it? What the devil is it?' I asked. "'That damn thing!' He replied without turning his head. His voice was husky and unnatural. He trembled visibly. I was about to speak further when I observed the wild oats near the place of the disturbance moving in the most inexplicable way. I can hardly describe it. It seemed as if stirred by a streak of wind, which not only bent it but pressed it down, crushed it so that it did not rise. And this movement was slowly prolonging itself directly towards us. Nothing, nothing that I'd ever seen had affected me so strangely as this unfamiliar and unaccountable phenomenon. Yet I am unable to recall any sense of fear. I remember and tell it here because singularly enough, I recollect it then. That once in looking carelessly out of an open window, I momentarily mistook a piece, small tree, close at hand for one of a group of larger trees at little distance away. It looked the same size as the others, but being more distinctively and sharply defined in mass and detail seemed out of harmony with them. It was a mere falsification of the law of aerial perspective, but it startled, almost terrified me. We so rely upon the orderly operation of familiar natural laws that any seeming suspicion of them is noted as a menace to our safety, a warning of unthinkable calamity. So now, the apparently causeless movement of the herbage and the slow undeviating approach of the line of disturbances were distinctly disquieting. My companion appeared actually frightened. I could barely credit my senses when I saw him suddenly throw his gun to his shoulder and fire both barrels at the agitated grain. Before the smoke of the discharge had cleared, I heard a loud savage cry, a scream like that of a wild animal, and flinging his gun upon the ground, Morgan sprang away and ran swiftly from the spot. At the same instant, I was thrown violently to the ground by an impact of something unseen in the smoke, but some soft, heavy substance that seemed thrown against me with great force before I could get upon my feet and recover my gun which seemed to have been struck from my hands I heard Morgan crying out as if in mortal agony and mingled with his cries were such hoarse savage sounds as one hears from fighting dogs inexpressibly terrified I struggled to my feet and looked in the direction of Morgan's retreat and may heaven and mercy spare me from another sight like that at a distance of less than 30 yards was my friend down upon one knee his the head thrown back at a frightful angle hatless his long hair in disorder and his whole body in violent movement from side to side back and forward his right arm was lifted and seemed to lack a lack of the hand at least i could see none the other arm was invisible At times, as my memory now reports this extraordinary scene, I could discern but a part of his body. It was as if he had been partly blotted out. I cannot otherwise express it. Then a shifting of his position will bring it all into view again. All this must have occurred within a few seconds. Yet in that time, Morgan assumed all the postures of a determined wrestler, vanquished by superior weight and strength. I saw nothing but him. And not him always distinctly. During the entire incident, shouts and curses were heard, as if through a enveloping uproar of such sounds of rage and fury I had never heard from the throat of a man or brute. For a moment only, I stood irresolute. Then, throwing down my gun, I ran forward to my friend's assistance. I had a vague belief that he was suffering from a fit or some form of a convulsion before I could reach his side he was down and quiet. All sounds had ceased, but with a feeling of such terror as even these awful events had not inspired, and I now saw again the mysterious movement of the wild oats prolonging itself in the trampled area about my prostrate man toward the edge of the wood. It was only when it had reached the wood that I was able to withdraw my eyes and look at my companion. He... He was dead. A man, though naked, may be in rags. The coroner rose from his seat and stood beside the dead man. Lifting an edge of the sheet, he pulled it away, exposing the entire body altogether naked and showing in the candle like a clay light yellow. It had, however, broad maculations of bluish black, obviously caused by extravasated blood from contusions. The chest and sides looked as if they had been beaten with a bludgeon. There were dreadful lacerations. The skin was torn in strips and shreds. The coroner moved round to the end of the table and undid a silk handkerchief which had been passed under the skin and knotted at the top of the head. When the handkerchief was drawn away, it exposed what had been done to the throat. Some of the jurors, who had risen to get a better view, repented their curiosity and turned away their faces. Witness Hawker went to the open window and leaned out across the sill, faint and sick. Dropping the handkerchief upon the dead man's neck, the coroner stepped to an angle of the room, and from a pile of clothing produced one garment after each other, each of which he held up a moment for inspection. All were torn and stiff with blood. The jurors did not make a closer inspection. They seemed rather uninterested. They had, in truth, seen all this before, the only thing that was new to them being Harker's testimony. Gentlemen, the coroner said, we have no more evidence, I think. Your duty has been already explained to you. If there's nothing you wish to ask, you may go outside and consider your verdict. The foreman rose a tall, bearded man of 60, coarsely clad. I wish to talk, to ask one question, Mr. Coroner, he said. What asylum did this year last witness escape from? Mr. Harker, said the coroner gravely and tranquilly, from what asylum did you last escape? Harker flushed crimson again, but said nothing. The seven drewers rose and solemnly filed out of the cabin. If you have done me an insult, sir, said Harker as soon as he and the officer were left alone with the dead man, I suppose I am at liberty to go. Yes. Harker started to leave, but paused with his hand on the door latch. The habit of his profession was strong in him. Stronger than his sense of personal dignity, he turned about and said, The book that you have there, I recognize it as Morgan's diary. You seemed greatly interested in it. You read in it while I was testifying. May I see it? The public would like, the book will cut no figure in this matter, replied the official, slipping it into his coat pocket. All the entries in it were made before the rider's death. As Harker passed out of the house, the jury re-entered and stood about the table, on which the now-covered corpse showed under the sheet with sharp definition. The foreman seated himself near the candle, produced from his breast pocket a pencil and scrap of paper, and wrote rather laboriously the following verdict with various degrees of effort all signed. We, the jurors, jury, do find that the remains come to the death at the hands of a mountain lion, but some of us thinks, all the same, they had fits. An Explanation from the Tomb In the Diary, of the late Hugh Morgan are certain interesting entries having possibly a scientific value as suggestions at the inquest upon his body. The book has not put was not put into evidence, possibly the coroner thought it not worth while to confuse the jury. The date of the first of the entries mentioned cannot be ascertained. The upper part of the leaf is torn away. The part of the entry Remaining follows. Wood run in a half circle, keeping his head turned always toward the center, and again he would stand still, barking furiously. At last he ran away into the bush as fast as he could go. I thought at first that he had gone mad, but on returning to the house found no other alteration in his manner than what was obviously due to fear of punishment. Can a dog see with his nose? Do orders impress some cerebral center with images of the thing that emitted them? September 2nd. Looking at the stars last night as they rose above the crest of the ridge, east of the house, I observed them successively disappear from left to ride each was eclipsed but an instant and only a few at a time but along the entire length of the ridge all that were within a degree or two of the crest were blotted out it, it was as if something had passed along between them, me and them but I could not see it and the stars were not thick enough to determine its outline oh, I don't like this Several weeks' entries are missing, three leaves being torn from the book. September 27th. It has been about here again. I find evidences of its presence every day. I watched again, all last night, in the same cover, gun in hand, double charged with buckshot. In the morning, the fresh footprints were there, as before, Yet I would have sworn I did not sleep. Indeed, I hardly sleep at all. It is, it is terrible, unsupportable. If these amazing experiences are real, I shall go mad. If they are fanciful, I am mad already. October third. I shall not go. I shall not drive. It shall not drive me away. No, this is my house, my land god hates a coward october 5th i cannot i cannot stand it i can stand it no longer i have invited harker to pass a few weeks with me he has a level head i can judge from his manner if he if he thinks me mad october 7th I have the solution of the mystery. It came to me last night suddenly, as by revelation. How simple, how terribly simple. There are sounds we cannot hear. At either end of the scale are notes that stir no chord that imperfect instruments the human ear. They are too high or too grave. I have observed... A flock of blackbirds Arkhamin, an entire treetop, the tops of several trees, and all in full song, suddenly, in a moment, and absolutely the same instant, all spring into the air and fly away. How? They could not have seen one another. Whole treetops intervened. At no point could a leader have been visible at to all. There must have been a signal of warning, a command high and shrill above the din. "'but by me, unheard. "'I I have observed, too, the same simultaneous flight "'when all were silent among not only blackbirds "'but other birds, quail, for example, "'widely separated by bushes, "'even on opposite sides of a hill. "'It is known to see men that a school of whales "'basking or sporting on the surface of the ocean miles apart, with the convexity of the earth between, will sometimes dive at the same instant, all gone out of sight, in a moment. The signal has been sounded too grave for the ear of the sailor at the masthead and his comrades on deck, who nevertheless feel its vibrations in the ship as the stones of a cathedral are stirred by the base of an organ. As with sounds, so with colors. At each end of the solar spectrum, the chemists can detect the presence of what are known as actinic rays. They represent colors, integral colors in the composition of light, which we as humans are unable to discern. The human eye is an imperfect instrument. Its range is but a few octaves of real chromatic scale. I am not mad. There are colors that we cannot see. And God help me, the damn thing is of such a color. I hope you've enjoyed this tale by Ambrose Beers, by the name of the Damned Thing. If you have any other recommendations of spooky tales that within the public domain for me to read, feel free to comment them in the comment section of wherever you're watching or listening to this. As always, I'm glad you enjoyed this. And if I could bother you, maybe you could be interested in joining my Patreon for as low as $3 a month on patreon.com forward slash shining Nathan. A special thank you to all my patrons on Patreon. It really, really is truly appreciated to have you here supporting me. And on a final note, I want to leave you with something that I'm currently a part of that is very dear to my heart. It's a non-profit. As you know, I don't really advertise, but it's important that I give the note of this non-profit. They're not paying me. It's not sponsored by them, but they really need our help. They're an organization called Rainbow Youth Project. And they provide mental health services. They provide suicide prevention hotlines, homeless youth housing, all for LGBTQI plus youth throughout the country. They also provide, unfortunately, in terms of suicide of LGBTQI plus youth, try the best to pay for the funerals for these families who've lost their ones. I'm kindly asking if you'd consider supporting them. Their organization dear to my heart and I can genuinely tell them they work on a shoestring budget, sometimes paying out of their own pocket for a lot of these things. And they're a small nonprofit making a big difference in our LGBTQI children of the United States. I will put the link in the description below. And if not, that's okay. Share it with your friends. Let them know. As always, I love you, you take care, and remember, you are worth giving yourself the love you put in the world. Until next time, my darling.